0: Live a happy, healthy life with your kids. Welcome. Thank you, Gina, for joining me today. This is, for those of you listening, Gina Maffa. Did I say your last name right? Yes. I'm like, what if it's what if it's Mofa and I didn't even ask? So Gina Maffa, good, I went with the right one. Either is fine. <laughs> is a therapist and she specializes in mindfulness-based therapies and focuses heavily on grief counseling and trauma studies. She's here today to talk about how that hidden holiday guest named grief, and look at why it's important to honor your grief and how to manage it in yourself or others during this holiday season and beyond. Gina, welcome to Momnificent. Thank you so much for having me. I'm loving this, and congratulations. Thank you. (laughs) For those of you listening after this Facebook Live, she said congratulations because we're doing a Facebook Live for the first time. Anyway. Um, Gina, what is, I love asking my guests this question, what's one thing that you've done recently that you might not have done for a while that just brings you joy?
1: I just actually, just two days ago, got back from a road trip to Canada and I (laughs) was a girl's trip and, you know, it's so rare, you know, that you do road trips anymore these days and so uh, we went to the Canadian wilderness and spent time with dogs and skiing and snow and hiking through the snow. And it just felt so life affirming again. Nature for me is my own source of therapy. And so just to be out in the fresh air, you know, I live in New York City where it can be really dense and, you know, heavy air and whatever. So it's, uh, it was really such a gift. And I don't I don't, I, or I haven't had a chance to really get out, especially in that far North, you know, in a while. So it was really wonderful and came back hitting the ground running already yesterday.
0: Oh my gosh. Oh, I love that. And my husband and I, we love being out in nature. We'll, we'll go camping. It's like one of our favorite things. And, um, yeah, just, there's a park nearby us and I just love to go running and I sometimes won't even put my headphones in just to hear just the nature sounds like just, yeah unplug from everything and just be out in nature. That's mindfulness at its best. (laughs) So cool, I love that. Um, So Gina, it's so interesting that um, I came across you and the work that you do uh, twofold because um, as as a school principal, my teachers and I are looking for more ways to become more trauma-informed in our practices um, as educators for ourselves, for our students, for our families. I think it seems like most people have been through trauma just because we all lived through COVID-19, which was traumatizing for everybody. Um, and, in a, and in addition to that, um, I really have been wanting to bring somebody on this podcast to talk about grief and that area because um, I even have a close friend to me who lost her husband January 6th. Uh, it was either last year, at, and my friend, I'm gonna ask her to forgive me if it was last year or the year before, and they had just toasted in the new year on January 1st, you know, December 31st, just five days before that, and had a clean bill of health and just passed away in his sleep. And it's really been hard for her. And I, I love learning from people like you to help me know even what to say to her at times when I, 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 don't, I can't empathize because I, I haven't been through that exact situation. And when I came across you, I was like, you know what, I, w- I want her to be able to speak to my friend tonight, because she is still having a hard time, and this this was a really rough re- week for her, and, and in her mind, she's like, I just have to get through this week, and then, you know, trying trying to move on still. So, um, what's, what's you know, if someone's lost someone uh, recently, or, or even in the last year or two, and they're still... Um, dealing with the grief when everyone's like in this happy season around you, Merry Christmas, happy holidays. And they're probably inside going like, I can't stand this fakeness. Um, Maybe we can just start there. Sure. I think I hear two things because
1: I think it's what she's going through and how to really highlight some of that, but also how to be a friend and how to be a support system. Well, we don't really know. We haven't been taught, you know, if only we could forego algebra. And learn, you know, human emotions and how to be with them. Um, first of all, I'm incredibly sorry for your friend's loss. That is a huge loss, and it is a traumatic loss because it is sudden, it's unexpected, and it is the person that you rely on. This is somebody who helps you raise your children. This is your partner in life. This is probably somebody who helps pay bills. You know, there's so many different losses within the loss of a spouse that we don't often think about too. What I can say about the holidays is, for the most part, being a therapist, so what I hear is so many people are faking it. It's not as happy as we all think it is, and I think what happens is the the holidays really highlight all of the things that we're missing, all of the things that don't work. Whether it's family estrangement, loss, you know, loss of livelihood, loss of job, loss of a relationship through a breakup, loss of friendship, whatever it may be. That doesn't stop because the holidays are here. And I think what happens is is that we feel so forced to be in this jolly Hallmark movie special that we lose sight of the honest stuff that's going on. But if you really ask people, how is this holiday season really going for you? I think if you look in the eyes of somebody, they would say it's been really hard. How can we really pretend? It's three years going into a pandemic that doesn't end really, even though we live as if it's not here, but people are still sick and et cetera. Um, But people are still dying of other things or, you know, life goes on and loss goes on because when there's life there's, you know, as we live, we grieve um, because there's so many different types of endings. And so I would say that this is the time that we have to be the most gentle with ourselves. We have to really be honest about our expectations and I like the way that your friend said, I just have to get through this week. That's it. Sometimes I say that to my clients. You don't have to make it good. You don't have to make this. You don't have to show up. You don't have to worry about the obligations as much. Just get through it. Just have a day. Don't have a good day. Just have a day. And, and I think if we can be that compassionate with ourselves and others and really cut ourselves some slack, um, we are able to sort of just get through. And sometimes that's the best we can do.
0: And I love how you say, it reminds me of, it's almost like we have to give ourselves permission to have that day or give yourself permission that, um, like, it's okay. You you don't, you know, you don't have it all together and it's not the perfect, you know, situation right now. And um, I think that's why it's sometimes nice to just listen to podcasts and listen to people like you that can help validate when sometimes even it's hard for us to give ourselves that permission to be, be gentle and kind to ourselves. So I, I really love that you said that. And you know what we see as teachers and educators in, in our schools is we see an increase in behaviors right before the holidays. And we don't know what those kids are going home to. We don't know what might feel anxious for them or unstructured where school sometimes sets up such a consistent expected environment. And um, we we as educators, we, we really take that in consideration. Like when we see, as behaviors escalate we're like you know what it's right before the holidays and we kind of like know it it kind of ebbs and flows and and, and we've seen that um, because like you said it might not you know be the most exciting thing for everyone at that time
1: absolutely and kids wow. pick up on that right you know we, we saw that with the mm-hmm. pandemic also you know we thought oh how hard it is for kids to just be learning through zoom or whatever but what about the kids who have a hard time at home they don't have their meals at home or you know or they don't have parents who are present or parents who are you know not neglectful I mean we don't know the details and so they I don't. think that even the holidays kids can pick up on seeing commercials or seeing other kids getting presents that they may not get and there's a loss there there's you know mm-hmm. the loss of all of the hopes that one can have because the holidays set us up for hope and they set us up to fail sometimes because we never really reach those, those levels that society seems to, you know, the red, le- the red bow on the Lexus. And, you know, it's just sometimes really like, wow, you know, read the room, society. And <laughs> who's making these commercials or who's making these, you know, these rules about, you know, you said something earlier, like pick yourself up by your bootstraps over an email, you know, and it's this, this curated, keep it moving, be strong, be a winner, carry on lifestyle. And so I think that seeps into the how do we get through the holidays? How do we get through Tuesday? You know, Mm -hmm. it's, it's really, really hard. And we're not really set up for this. So I think the more people like you are doing podcasts and getting out the word that what you feel is normal, (laughs) and you're not alone, you know, and it's okay to not want to do this or not want to do that or to set up plans you know, uh, escape routes, if you don't want to do something, and let's make an agenda. So you have a sense of agency over what, something that feels so intolerable. You know, that mm. is, that's the point of you, And so thank you. <laughs>
0: mm. And,
1: um, and so hopefully, this message can be heard in that way.
0: Yeah, I think just being kind and gentle to yourself. I, I don't, I didn't grow up hearing that. <laughs> and it takes something for me to give myself permission to just stop and feel and notice what's happening inside because you just get caught up in the go, 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 do, and the expectations that people have of you and what we do, especially as women, and we just like carry it all. Um, So shifting just a little bit, can you describe for us what you call traumatic loss? Sure. This answer is going to be a
1: little bit twofold because there is sort of a textbook definition of what traumatic losses. And then there's a little bit more that I'm talking about in my book that I have coming out this year. Um, In most of the field of psychology, traumatic loss really is quite simple. And it's defined as a sudden unexpected loss, and or the circumstances surrounding loss are traumatizing. Great, that doesn't cover a whole lot. If that were me, I think humans are a lot more complicated than that. So it doesn't have to be traumatic loss such as a sudden or unexpected loss, of suicide or, you know, murder or, you know, passing away in your sleep. It can be what feels traumatizing to you. And for me, it is the type of loss, the relationship to the person. You know, your own sense of how do I cope? You know, we've learned coping skills as kids. If I can't cope or I have a high level of anxiety as a baseline, this is going to be a traumatic loss. If the loss is related to my livelihood or my well-being or my safety, that's going to be traumatizing. If I lose my house based on this loss or I lose any kind of safety net financially or somebody who is caretaking me, that's a huge traumatic loss. And so, you know, in addition to that, I think, you know, our brains are so programmed to have predictable relationships with people, you know, somebody's coming home at six o'clock, our brain knows that that person belongs there, you know, and when that doesn't happen, it takes a very long time for our brains to wrap around that that person isn't coming back anymore, or it, it's not going to, or the relationship is not going to be in this way. And now we have to sort of figure out how do I keep a relationship with this person outside of my reality? Mm-hmm. And that can be traumatizing, And so it sounds kind of complicated, but what I say is this, it doesn't have to be a traumatic death to be traumatizing to you. It Mm. is really your attachment to this loss. And that can be a person, thing, situation, pet, you know, there are a lot of people that lose a pet and it's traumatizing and it, and it sure is. And so I think it's just important to honor your experience of your loss and not what you hear by other people, because Mm. that can really mess us up. Um, and doing that complicates the whole grieving process because we're not honoring it and we're not honoring our relationship or our attachment or who we are our own coping mechanisms and I think it's important to look at all of those um, and not just the type of loss that it was Mm
0: -hmm. so So hopefully that
1: made sense and it wasn't too therapy talk
0: (laughs) well I I I I, I like what you said because i I listened to another trauma training um over the summer and I think you and her said the same thing and and it kind of of uh, like resonated with me a little bit it felt a little different where I think it tell me if if I heard you correctly that trauma is actually your response like you, what you feel from a situation. It's not really trauma isn't this isn't a situation. it's actually. Because the same situation could happen to someone else, and they might not feel traumatized by it. So is is that what I'm hearing you say? It's actually your response to that, which, I don't know, was a little different than what I I think I thought of trauma in general before. They said that, and you just said that now. Um, And you know know what was crazy for me was, so I've never lost someone, I mean, I've lost grandparents, but those are the closest family, and I've lost an aunt. But I, I I don't think I've I've lost anybody closer to me where where maybe I've experienced that 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 deep loss of like like the spouse or the sister or someone like really, really close. But a year ago, one of my fellow elementary school principals was killed suddenly in a motorcycle accident. And Gina, it was it was so crazy how it literally took me three weeks to to, to like be normal again. Like it was like almost as if I not lost my spouse, but it, I was shocked that it had bothered me so deeply. I think wild? you know I, I don't know. That was very interesting. I thought it was wild oh, that you said three connects. weeks. <laughs> yeah. Oh really? Well but it wasn't not like I was not because it's too like long with him, like every <laughs> It wasn't like I was friends with him like a lot. Like we, we just had a little bit of a connection, but and, and maybe it was because we're both in the same position, like and then I would walk into school and I'd be like, God, imagine if I didn't come back tomorrow. And I think that awareness of how real it was, was so hard for me to deal with. Like I, I, I was, I was like depressed for three weeks. Like it was, it was, it was really difficult.
1: For sure. And I, I kind of even wonder, I mean, because with that loss is a lot of other losses and a lot of other unknowns. What happens when there's a new principal? What happens to the rules? What happens to the energy? How do we, how do we, how do we like relate to this other person who's filling the shoes of someone we didn't want to lose. Um, But also it kind of reminds me a little bit of, since you said you weren't that close, like the way people grieve celebrities when we lose them, you know, like I think of Robin Williams and how that really affected me too. And because we have a sense of them within us. So it's not just the relationship itself, but kind of our sense of them within us and their, their particular place in our lives of where we are, right? I'm happy in my job as a principal because there's this person that is a great colleague, you know, and there's so many different ways of looking at loss of people around us that have to do with where we are in our lives and our relationship to change, our relationship to loss, our relationship to even kind of who that person represents in our lives. So it's it doesn't surprise me that it affected you. And I would say it's funny because I always say like, I don't put time frame on timeframes at all, on any grief at all. And so I would almost challenge you to wonder, did it really just last three weeks? It sounds like it's still in a way a part of, you know, a part mm-hmm. of the long chain of loss, you know, that we all, because now it's in your, it's in your mind. Right. And it made you mm-hmm. think about your own mortality and your own place in this world and your own place at work mm-hmm. and your own changes. And I think that that changes us fundamentally Especially when there are people close to us, people in our community, you know, like any kind of tragic events, school shootings, you know, which are sort of everywhere these days. Um, But it makes us think about our own family and our own safety and our own lives and our own mortality. And I think that's long lasting.
0: Yeah, yeah, that was. um, So let me go back to my questions here. How are you doing though?
1: I feel like um, I threw that at you. How are you doing?
0: No. No, I mean it was last March and the the most craziest thing is that we had a principal meeting that morning and he often would sit by himself kind of to the side and he always has earbuds in cuz he was always looking, listening to something inspirational and motivating. And that morning, I went up to him and talked to him and said hi to him because because I because I had somewhat of a connection a relationship with him, you know, even though we weren't like super close. Um, and and we just chit chatted for for a few minutes. And that night was the accident, and and that's also why I think it impacted me also more, maybe more so, because I was like I just talked to him that morning, and I I hadn't always talked to him, you know, all the time. And at Principals, I mean, we see each other once once a month, and and we worked out at the same gym. We didn't see each other that often, but but we had recently, you know, run into each other there, and um, and so it, yeah, like you said, it was like just going back to my life and and imagining like because we were in the same position, what would the school be like if 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 I didn't show up today and. We all we we never know like when is when is the last day when is the last moment, um, you know. And then I had I actually had another guest on my podcast talk about losing her spouse, and so that and I was actually thinking of his wife because maybe she needed to hear that maybe maybe she didn't know know a resource that could help encourage her, you know. And then and then my friend lost her husband, um, and so it's it's um yeah I, I you, you know what I did I felt for the kids in that school, I've, 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 I, my heart went out to them so much. And I actually was like, what could I do for them, even though they don't even know me? And you know what I came up with? And I did. I just called the assistant principal, who then filled in as, as the principal, and I said, can I come over and do a read aloud in a class? I just feel like if I was there doing something, like I can read a book to a class I, I just felt like I was doing something for them where, where we were all grieving. and I was able to read to three different classes and and share with them that that I was their principal's friend and and, and, and I miss him. and I, and I know you guys miss him too. And I think that was part of something that that kind of like helped heal where I could find a way to give. And we took snacks over from my staff to their staff in their staff lounge. and I have when I when I hit rock bottom moments in my life, I don't know where I got it from or where I learned it, but I, I tend to think in this difficult moment for myself, what could I do for someone else? Because, um, it helped, it may or may not be the right thing to do for yourself, but it takes my mind off of me for a minute. And when I'm helping someone else, I always felt better. So I'll, I'll write a note to someone if I'm having a rough time because maybe I can brighten their day because maybe they're having a rough time and then it always helps lift me out of it. So there's some th- things I've done over the years. I don't maybe that maybe I, <laughs> that's a coping mechanism that isn't the best, but yeah,
1: it's about so. connection. It's about connection, and it takes us out of ourselves and connecting with another person. So to me, that's a great coping mechanism. <laughs> as long yeah. as you're feeling your feelings too, right? You know, you can't talk to a therapist and not hear that. But you know, to honor your feelings, but also I think it's really about the connection. And I, I you know, I say this all the time, but the connection is the most healing thing there is. I don't care what your modality is. I don't care what your schooling, your expertise is. It's about the connection. And if you can authentically connect with another heart in truth, that is, that is the deepest, most powerful healing tool there is. And so, yes, it's a good coping mechanism. (laughs)
0: That's awesome. Well, before I want to hear what your book is about, that I'm so excited that you're publishing, I'm going to go back to one other question that actually came in on my MomNificent Facebook page, which was so cool. So I'll share what this mom shared, and then you can give your thoughts for her. Um, She said, an eight-year-old boy who doesn't have his dad in his life at all and never met him, left when I was six months pregnant. It was a planned pregnancy, not an oops. He moved to another country, and my son is starting to have feelings of shame because of kids at school asking him questions. He doesn't want to talk to them about it. And watching movies or TV shows with a father and a son, when there's a moment between them, uh, he actually says, this makes me sad because I don't have a dad.
1: My heart goes up. <laughs> but burst my heart open. Yeah. And is there a question there, or should I just riff on it. Um,
0: that's, that's all she posted when I said, you know, is there a topic I can bring onto a podcast? And, and she just, you know, for me, I'm just reading as what, do, how do I help my son? Here's that situation. What, what do I say to him? How, how, how do I be? How do, where do I go from here?
1: Yeah. I mean, I think it's important to sort of, I guess, gauge if her son, for example, for toddler, for toddlers to adult, young adulthood, there's, there's this, term called self-referential thinking that kids have. And basically it's, they think everything that's happening around them has to do with them. And so it's really important to, I would say, gauge whether he feels he has any responsibility, you know, and to really just validate he's not absent because of you. And to continue to validate whatever feelings that come up, just encouraging him, you know, and not knowing the situation a little bit further, it's kind of hard to sort of give (laughs) advice or to say, you know, hey, what are you actually doing with him? You know, that that's helping. Does he share his feelings more often with you? Do you, is there another father figure in his life or any other father figures in his life? Um, Are there men that he looks up to on TV shows? You know, and I think sort of getting him to talk about that and continue to share, Um, And even sharing her feelings about it, you know, just so that it's not, you know, maybe she's missing him too. Maybe she isn't, you know, I'm not sure where the details are, but I think it's, it's important that honest conversation happens over and over and over again, and maybe help him come up with some things to say back to the kids at school that can feel empowering, but not obviously, you know, causing any extra harm to him or, or to others, but to really sort of you know, just continue to validate it. And kids can be really hard. I mean, as you know, kids can be harsh and it's, it's a time where we want to belong, you know, when you're eight years old, you don't want to be different. You want to be like other people. And so I think it's important to sort of just, I know I'm saying the word a lot, but continue to validate his experience and, you know, and how it is hard and, you know, that he had nothing to do with it. And, you know, I don't know any other details outside of that, but I think it's just important to continue to keep the conversation open with him, um, and ask him more questions as often as he may need, you know, to, to talk about it. I'm not sure if that was helpful. It's hard
0: to sort of know what she's already doing. She sounds like a great mom from here. And and I'm going to share our episode with her. And, um, and it also makes me wonder what your take is on when, um, when a parent like lose like when a wife loses a husband and the kids are young, so this just happened recently to to a family that I know, um, and it's first grader who lost their father, and so with the mother, what's your take on where I think some most of us or I'll just speak for myself, I would think I would. I think I would need to want to hide my feelings. Like, I don't want to see them. I don't want them to see me cry. I don't want them to see me upset. What's your thought on that? H- how do you explain that to parents like, in that situation?
1: Mm-hmm. I think the opposite. I think it's really important to share our feelings. I think when people hide away their feelings, it's the intention is good, but the impact is not what we think it is. Because what we're teaching our kids is that you're brave and that something really hard can happen and you don't have any emotions about it and you're not expressing emotions. And I think what's most vital for children is to have the permission to feel, the permission to, you know, And kids express grief very differently than adults do, they won't cry all the time. They may sometimes, or they may cry in fits and bursts, but moreover, it will be in their behavior and, you know, in acting out or in acting differently than usual, maybe withdrawing at times, or, you know, having angry outbursts, that kind of thing. And to really understand that that's grief, and to treat it as such. But I think as a parent, it's really important to say here, like mommy's crying and mommy's sad and this is how I show my sadness. And sometimes I'm angry and this is how I show it. Um, And I even think, you know, talking about seeing someone, seeing a therapist or going to a counselor or a grief group, taking medication, I think obviously age appropriate, but sharing in whatever age appropriate language as honestly as we can is so important to role model to our kids because we're that we're showing that it's okay to ask for help and that it's okay to seek help when we when we feel like we're overwhelmed with feelings and that it's okay to feel sometimes we feel and it feels like too much um, and that if it feels overwhelming to us it's okay to get some help and I think it's that's sort of. How we change society's view on mental health in general is starting young by saying it's okay to cry. It's okay to be sad. Something really big happened. If something huge and sad happens, what, what is the appropriate response? It, it isn't just pulling yourself up and being strong and hiding in a closet or in the bathroom or crying in the shower. It's being, of course, you can do those things too. In addition to being really open and honest with your kid and saying, yeah, this is really hard for mommy too. This is really hard for me, and I and I'm crying because of that. I'm really sad, and using those languages, you know, um, I actually co-authored a book called Zara's Big Messy Goodbye, which is a children's book on grief. Um, and in the back is sort of my version of kind of how to talk to kids, caregivers, and or how to, it's helpful for for teachers, parents, caregivers on really how to walk through talking about death um, and funerals and that kind of thing with your, with your, with, or with children in general. So it's, um, it's out there, there are resources, but I say honesty is always best and in a gentle way, of course.
0: I love that. And I think it's really good for us to hear that. Um, Especially because there's been more of a focus more than ever before on our mental health, I feel. And I think we're slowly it's becoming more normal to talk about our mental health in a, in a good way, in a sense, not that it's, 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 there's something wrong with you. If you have to, you know, if we're mentioning mental health, it's, it's interesting how I think it's changed, you know, in the last, in the last years. And I think a lot of it is, I'll just speak to myself growing up, we were taught, you know, to push our feelings down and, do this and it it was I don't want to say it was a society because I'm sure it wasn't everybody but that was my experience growing up I learned to push down the feelings and you you go on and put it you know put your good attitude on and and like pull up your bootstraps and let's go right so to actually I think covid helped break that down even I know for me personally because then I was I saw myself um even with parents in situations with the kids not showing up at school or what have you or not responding now All of a sudden it shifted for me to just call them and say, how are you? Are you okay? Do you need anything? Can we support you in any way? Because we didn't know the stories that were going on behind closed doors. And it was like everyone had a story, it seemed, you know, because so many people were hit in so many ways. Um, So I really love that maybe, like you're saying, if we can help parents, even with the simple thing of showing your kids the feelings that you are experiencing that's okay. And that will hopefully help, like you said, change in our society, this this way about mental health that we, who we are and how we show up in that area.
1: Yeah, we need it, you know, really creating a safe space for people to get through it. You know, emotions yeah. come whether we want them to or, or not. They just may come through our body. They may come through our behavior, whatever it may be, but we can't really outrun grief or trauma. We can't, we can't, pull it up by our bootstraps forever. you know. I grew up the same way. And in a way it's sort of like, well, where did that get us really? And right? because we still I, <laughs> inevitably, it, whether I mean, it came in a breakdown or it
0: came. I'm like, thank you, you did a good job, but <laughs> now working on it.
1: <laughs> no, but that's great, you know? But it's like, eventually it, we, it catches up to us, right? And so it's like, great, all we really needed was a safe place to feel our feelings. So we wouldn't have to hold on to them because the longer we hold on to them, you know, the bigger they feel and it's like, just let them come through you. It's not, it's just a feeling it comes and it goes and, and grief will come in all different types of feelings and full body experiences and it will flow through us and it will come and it will go and we'll have good days and bad days. Or if it's trauma, it's the same thing really. And it's just not, it can be really scary, but it's not running away from them. And it's really being present as, as much as
0: we can in a safe way. Just allow it is what I'm hearing you say. Yeah. Just let it let it be whatever it is. It's okay.
1: It seems so easy <laughs> when we say it, you know, and yet I really can empathize with how hard it is, especially when you're brought up not knowing how to feel. Not knowing what feelings are, and not knowing how to express it, or if it's okay to express it, or if it's safe to express it, or you know, I know so many people are like, but I don't want someone to feel uncomfortable if I cry, you know, and it's it's like great, but you know, but you're uncomfortable then, and so we all walk around holding it in because we don't want anyone else to be uncomfortable, and not we're all uncomfortable, and and so what does that really do for us? Then we just wind up having a really unhealthy state of affairs all around in our communities when really we can just be Very present true. for one another and provide safety and a soft place to land maybe and just say, hey, I'm here. You know, I'm, so, I'm sorry you're going through that. That really sucks. And I'm here. Mm-hmm.
0: Thank you, Gina. Yeah. Thank you so much. So tell us in a minute or two or less... <laughs> the last thing here, um, about your upcoming book. I could keep talking to you and I love it. And I'll just Me too. I feel like I'm, Oh, <laughs> yes. I love it. I love everything <laughs> you said. So finish us off with, with these exciting news about what, what did you tell us a little bit about your book?
1: I'm so excited about it. You know, during COVID I work with a lot of young adults and emerging adults and everybody was kind of like, you know, I want a book to read during session, you know, between sessions and, I was, you know, trying to recommend all these books, but, you know, it was just not hitting them in some way. And I had one client was like, can you why don't you just write a book? And I was like, how is that possible? And then for whatever reason, miraculous heavenly miracles came out of the sky. And I wound up writing a proposal. Um, so uh, and getting a book deal. Um with a major publisher um and it's coming out this this August. It's called, it's a long title, a little facetious and sarcastic, but it is called Moving On Doesn't Mean Letting Go. Um and it's really navigating grief post-COVID in a way, right? How do we deal with social media? How do we deal with, you know, it's how do we deal with dating? How do we deal with, you know, work related, grieving while at work, you know, um there's so many things. So it's a little bit also of my story of losing my mother. Um, a few years ago to cancer but also being a grief therapist and really not allowing myself to grieve um, and and really navigating that and talking about client stories but my hope is that it's access for people to have as close to grief therapy as they can with me through my book who may not have access to therapy either through finances or location or whatever because grief therapy is really specialized and it is important to be with somebody who's trained or, you know, who has enough understanding of what a grief experience can be. And so that was sort of my hope is like, I only have two hands, but if I write this book, my hope is that it can get into the hands of people who may need it, who wouldn't, you know, wouldn't know that or, or who wouldn't otherwise have the help. So, yeah, so that's my, that's my
0: hope for years and years to come. God willing. So beautiful. Yeah. That is so oh, I'm so excited. Uh, Thanks for asking. Oh, yeah. And how lastly, how can someone find and follow you?
1: Sure. Um, well, you can go to my website. It's uh, Gina Um I'm also on on the Instagram. i pretty active there. It's Gina LCSW. I think that's it. Um, that's my handle. Um, I am here on Facebook somewhere, but not as often. And um, yeah, but come by say hello
0: all of that. I'd love to hear from anybody just well, to say hi. <laughs> Gina, thank you so much. This was literally absolutely beautiful and I know I I people might not believe it, but I, like I told you on the pre-call when I have these podcast interviews and I've never met people before this call, I, literally by the end I'm like I feel like I've met my kindred spirit. And I just feel that. Felt I, that. And me too. We did. And and for, for those of you who are listening, if Gina has said something or it's prompted or inspired you or, or raised a question, please put it in the Facebook page. Send me a private message. We are here. The only reason why I created this podcast was to help moms, help you raising your kids, help you take care of yourself, your own self-care. Um, so if there's anything that I can bring you, please reach out and let me know because that is the only reason why I dedicate this time to is just for you there's so much information out there and sometimes it's hard to figure out where to go for what and I'm hoping this podcast just helps 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 fill those gaps for any of you listening so please reach out and um Gina again thank you from the bottom of my heart you are a beautiful person
1: likewise and thank you for what you're doing I can go on I can I can I can gush about you for the rest of the night but your 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 listeners won't they'll they'll be tired at some point
0: (laughs) All right. Well, well, we'll have to do this again soon. Thanks again. Thank you so much. Hey there, it's Karn. I hope that you're enjoying the show. And by the way, if you're a mom who wants to learn how to help your child when they're struggling behaviorally or facing challenges in school, get started today by getting my free short video course, Three Steps to Happy Healthy Kids at www.educationalimpactacademy.com forward slash free video. If you're new here or you haven't done this yet, this is definitely the first step to get started in learning how to have a happy, healthy life with your kids. So head on over to www.educationalimpactacademy.com forward slash free video and grab your free gift today. Well, that's all we've got for this episode of the Momnificent podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, I would be honored if you would subscribe and rate if you really liked it. I know wherever you're listening right now, it might not be the best time to leave a comment but feel free to leave a question, a review, or a comment at any time. And until next time, remember, don't worry, be happy.